welcome to episode 67 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, everybody joining me today for this episode is Josh Musto and Damian Moffat, formerly of the bands Shit Kill, The Kill, and Netherlands, currently members of the band Trip Villain. It was awesome to get to talk to these guys. I've, as I, you'll hear me mention a bit later on, I kind of discovered their band Shitkill by accident uh, when they were opening for 12 Foot Ninja. It was a great show, and uh, it was a real great conversation to get to talk to these guys about the different bands that they've been in. Uh, they're a bit younger than me, so they're sort of experienced growing up in the metal scene, and uh, you know, also talk to, to Josh, you know, those of you that may know Josh's name from when he worked at Sirius XM as Jose Mangan's intern, uh, brought that up because how can you not? Uh, it was it was a great conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Josh and Damien. What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am here uh, once again at home, once again on Skype. I'm not drinking any Ghost Talk beer today, but that's because my tummy's a little upset, and I'm supposed to be going to work later, so probably not supposed to drink. I'll be there on Saturday, though, and you should definitely check out Ghost Talk Brewery in Clifton, New Jersey. Fantastic fucking beers. Joining me today from the band Trip Villain and formerly of the band Shitkill, Josh Musto and Damian Moffat. How's it going, guys? Yo, yo, what's Good. going on? How Thanks are you? having us. I'm I'm doing well and I'm glad that I'm glad to have you. I kind of discovered you guys back in the shit kill days, sort of by accident. You were opening and I and I figured out I couldn't at first I wasn't sure uh, what the show was, but I figured out you guys were opening at the studio at Webster Hall for Twelve Foot Ninja. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, we did that. We played we did that same show with them twice at the same place. It was awesome. Those are those are still the best dudes ever. You guys were actually releasing an EP that day. Which I uh, I actually had a, mm-hmm. picked up a couple copies of before I had the podcast. Jay Bunny's Music Hub was just a like a page in a group on Facebook where I would like write about bands to help people discover bands they might not be aware of. And so like I did a write up on you guys and then did like a giveaway of the extra copy of the CD. Hey, oh nice. But yeah, so that was back in 2014. Can you tell me kind of about your journey in music up to that point? Okay, so basically, well, in 1993, my parents made love, yada, yada, yada. I came out, Damien, very similar well, story, well, technically, wouldn't they have made love in 92? No, because I was born in 94. Oh, duh. I thought you you know born. when I was born. I thought you were born Crazy. in 93 for some reason. No, I was, it, it must, whatever, nine months before, uh, I want to say April, it was probably April of 93, that shit went down. It's crazy. Inwood, New York, um, on Seaman Street. Oh yeah, I can uh, I can I can I don't know how much time you got here, Jason. But I can move along a little faster. So yada yada yada, do that. Then uh, Damien and I met in 2003. Nine years school. old. School. We were nine years old, and then just started. You know, band after band. What was it? Devolution was the first one. Well, yeah. I mean, I Named think after the, the High on Fire the, song. The interesting, like, I feel like my dad was encouraging us to play music together. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We had a couple friends at school who were like sometimes interested in playing their instruments, and I, I feel like the only outside source of inspiration was definitely my dad at the time. He was like trying to get us to keep doing it and rehearse and just play together. Mm-hmm. Took us to see System of a Down at uh, Ozfest, which was awesome in 2006. Took us to see High on Fire. 
Yeah, totally. Like, just showed us all the metal, took us to like whatever the the old Funkadelic Studios when it used to be in Manhattan. And so like it was that, and then another band, another band, another band, whatever kid shit. And then all of a sudden, shit kill in '09. We like played it. We had an open mic up where where Demo's dad was living in Hudson, New York. It's just like a random open mic night, and we didn't have a name. We we're driving up like the Taconic or whatever, and we saw these signs for like Fish Kill and Saw Kill, and you know all all Peaks Kill, Peaks Kill, yeah. And uh, we we're like, yeah, fuck it, we'll call it Shit Kill. And then we were called that for nine years, <laughs> perhaps too long. But uh, yeah, we got to play some awesome local shows, and uh, it was fun. It was a fun time, Shit Kill. Yeah, I remember when I was at that show, I posted on Facebook at the time. I said, I'm not sure how far a band named Shitkill can go, but I'm digging them. Oh, and then you guys were getting airplay on, on Liquid Metal like three months later. I was, mm-hmm. And I made another post like, hey, so a couple months ago I said, I don't know how far this band could go. And now they're on the radio. Congrats, guys. Right. And you guys actually were <laughs> so whoever was running the Facebook replied to that post and said, oh, thanks. On one hand, I, I know that. A name like that has instant recognition, but on the other hand, I can definitely see it being a hindrance. I had a, a friend's band back in the day, probably around the time that you guys were born, because I'm a little bit older, called Fuckface. Uh, they spelled it with PHs, nice. but anytime they would put up flyers for shows or stuff, they'd get torn down right away. There was like another band that played shows with them often. He's like, dude, when you make the flyers, like I know that Fuckface is on the show, but don't put their name on the flyer, otherwise they're not going to get left up. <laughs> So I was just wondering, wow. like, I, I know you guys eventually changed the band name, but did 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 you find any specific instances, any direct result of of the name of like losing opportunities and what have you? Nothing really specific. I, the the one, I mean, the the few times that stuck out to me honestly weren't even like, uh, you know, this is offensive, so you can't have X Y Z. It was more just like people didn't think it was serious. Like we played with Doc Coyle's like cover band he was doing years ago, Rebel Noise Group, and like after the show he came up to me and was just like, "Dude, you guys are really good, and obviously take this shit really seriously. Why are you calling yourself Shitkill? Like I thought you were gonna be like a joke band or like a joke grindcore band." And I was just like, "Dude." Why did you book us then? <laughs> but I think that was kind of the vibe. I don't know. I, I think it, it it like musically it was a lot for us being teenagers. Like I, I don't I don't know how well it's aged for for me personally, but like it's definitely. So I I think I I attribute it more to that and me maybe to not having found my voice as a vocalist yet. But I think it's a really nice name to have in our bio. Right, of like, right. hey, here's this marketable new thing we're doing. And uh, by the way, in case you think we're pussies, our old band was called fucking shit kill, bro. We're fucking metal. We love fucking Slayer and anal cunt. Yeah, fuck you. Basically. <laughs> I, I also kind of feel like, I don't know, more of the difficulty we were facing was like our age more so than mm. anything else. Like I felt like we were having strange... At least in terms for like signing up for, you know, trying to get certain shows or like I don't, there was just a weird disconnect. It was like certainly when we weren't even 18 yet. But then like, I don't know. I don't think we actually came up against any real issues. I also feel like towards the end of being shitkill was even more so a time where the walls of like being on the radio and needing to have a a professional, not offensive name. Like, I kind of feel like those were falling down. Like, I feel like today, now especially, it's, like, even top, you know, like, the top Mm -hmm. 100 radio artists are, like, 
swearing in their music. It seems yeah. to be a new trend. And honestly, I think uh, not to not to bring it here, but honestly, I think I would attribute that in large part to Donald Trump for saying shit on CNN so many times. Because <laughs> now you can just I was listening to I was watching CNN earlier and somebody said bullshit and like nobody blinked an eye. So like that wall has been broken and like profanity is just like not that big a deal anymore. Right. So right. I think maybe this would be the time. Like I, I if not that I would start a band with like a fucked up profane name because like I've uh, been there, done that. But like I don't I feel like that wouldn't be much of a hindrance now. There's there's ways around it. Right. And nobody right. really cares. I was surprised even back a bunch of years ago when Korn had that song Y'all Want a Single and the the chorus was y'all want a single say fuck that fuck that fuck that and then they actually released it as a <laughs> single nice <laughs> of course yeah it worked out mm-hmm. <laughs> breaking down barriers but uh so you guys had announced in 2017 i you'd kicked around the idea of uh, you know publicly about changing the name and then you said that in 2018 uh shit kill was no more you were going to be the kill which was not a continuation <laughs> of shit kill but a an entirely new band and that you guys yes. are going to be releasing an album in the near future but i don't recall seeing much else from the band after that announcement what wound up happening there no so well that was in fact a lie we were the same exact band <laughs> and we recorded most of an album and then we played one show and then immediately got offered the netherlands gig both of us and we were like all right we were both huge fans of netherlands I'd see them a bunch and we're just kind of also just, I don't know, kind of feeling stuck with like what we were doing. So we decided to put that on hiatus for a minute to focus on playing with Netherlands. And that minute turned into two years. Yeah, I don't know. I think we we had some figuring out to do of like our sound. And right. yeah, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I think we were also just like that. That was like I, I was living upstate. I had gone to college upstate. So our rehearsal schedules and things were becoming like more of a I don't know how you would call it. I mean, like I wasn't traveling, but you were traveling. And I yeah. think the the band sort of like took a transition into being in a sense, even though I was further away, it was like a more involved project. So like things were taking shape, like in the studio at Bard College where I was going and I was working there and we were able to work in the studio, but that was almost like it almost became not an issue. But like, you know, if you're in the studio with unlimited access and you only have you have like a limited set of skills in terms of actually creating music and using a studio. I think we sort of got to this weird point where like we had these songs and I, I still really like the songs, but like. I think we like worked on them too much and then it gave it a a strange taste in our mouths. And then like Mm -hmm. at the same time is when that Netherlands offer showed up. So, but I I don't know. I I see that period for us as like training for, for this. Yeah. Because we, the, the whole new, not to jump forward in time, but like we, we mixed and produced all of the trip villain stuff ourselves. And I think for the next album, we're going to continue doing that. So like we basically during that, the kill period taught ourselves how to do, you know, how to how to use a DAW, how to mix, how to use a compressor, all that shit. And like Damo was basically in charge of the studio up there. He was like the, the number two at the Bard studio. So he was getting a lot of experience. Um, and we did actually release two or three songs from that. We, we just released it under Shit Kill on Bandcamp like maybe six months ago. Um, stealth release. Stealth release. Those are two songs from those sessions. I'll they were the best ones. Out, but. I, I only have uh, the stuff from the Newbury EP. 
good I EP. Think it's, good it's EP. The great EP. We actually, I don't know if you noticed this, we stole, we we repurposed one riff from uh, the the song "The New Breed." It's on the last track on uh, the Trip Villain album, "Hum." Okay. All right. We stole from ourselves. You know when you pay <laughs> homage to yourself. That's right. All right. It's free as long as you're stealing from yourself. <laughs> So tell me a bit more, because I had not been aware of, I saw the mention of Netherlands in the Trip Villain bio, and you guys were both listed as, as former members. I'm not really familiar with that that band. How did sort of how did that opportunity come about, and what should I and the listeners know about you know that band and, and its sound and what have you, knowing nothing about it at all? So I saw them a couple of times at St. Vitus, opening up for... I don't even remember who it was, Candiria maybe, and like I, I, just, I would just like see them all the time, and like I brought all of the Shaquille boys down to see them play with Moontooth, and all of us like were just like completely transfixed. I, I saw Netherlands like 15 or 20 times, just like at these random shows in Brooklyn from like 20, I don't know, 13 to 2017 or 18, and became friends with Timo Ellis, who's the main songwriter. Um, it's like kind of a solo project. He has a sort of rotating cast of people. And we were lucky enough to be that for two years to be his rhythm section. But like Timo is a real like total uh, one man rock band genius type guy who's like literally like the most insane guitar player, the most insane arranger. Like he just like called us. He called me one day and was like, yo, like, do I have your permission to uh, offer the drum gig to Damien? Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. And like, by the way, if you need a bass player, lol hit me up and he's like actually yeah i do so we came in and started jamming and all we basically knew all the songs already um it was great i just love the music for for anybody listening and for you also i would suggest get the album audubon from 2016 a-u-d-u-b-o-n it is like just like the most brutally concise thick groovy nasty like metal record ever all right. Yeah, I'll definitely have to have to check that out. Now, the next thing that I was aware that, that you were involved in, Josh, was the band Tragedy, a heavy metal tribute yes. to Bee Gees, which it looks like you joined based on the timeline when you were still with Shitkill. How did that come about? Mm-hmm. I had known those guys for a while. I, I played in a hardcore band called White Collar Crime for about a year with uh, Rob Pilata, who is the drummer of Tragedy, uh, also formerly of 25 to Life. And our our one another band we were in called Youth Posse supported Tragedy in like one or two shows in Brooklyn in 2014, and then their singer quit, and and they hit me up and just asked if I wanted to play lead guitar and sing and do all that, and it was uh it was fun. It was a fun six years with those guys. I did a lot of touring in Europe, in in uh, England, did a lot of really cool stuff. Got to open for Devin Townsend like a crazy huge festival in France, which was just like the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. It was good times, but uh, I left the band about two months ago, a month ago maybe, just to focus on Trip Villain. Yeah, I got to say with 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 Tragedy, I was very, yeah, although it scratches the itch for me of, of liking cover songs and liking stuff that's just sort of off the wall, like that was, mm-hmm. I was still surprised because, you know, that's, that's, some would say somewhat of a niche. And so I was really surprised to see that you guys were like signed to Napalm and touring the world. Um, and it sounds yeah. like you know, the, the question I was going to ask, which, which you kind of already answered was how was that to be a part of? But, yeah, it was, it was really cool. It's like, it, it, it's really, it's a really well 
oiled machine when it's rolling like it's it i again like taught me so much about touring about being in a band about like perfectionism like there's so much that goes into that show even and it's it's meant to seem like it's you know off the cuff jokey whatever but it's like it's really like very choreographed i had i had to work up a whole set of moves i had to do a split in the middle i mean i like i I was the one that decided to do that to be a fucking jackass and split my pants every night but (laughs) it was really like it, it taught me a lot about theatrics and also just about like professionalism and how to tour and how to pack your pedal board on a plane and how to not have diarrhea on the road and shit yourself on stage Still working on that one, but it was great. They're they're like the best bunch of dudes ever. I love them. Now you had said that you you left to kind of focus more on on trip villain. How did how did the the idea of of trip villain how did that come together? We started. I mean, we've you know, Damien and I have been you know kind of a musical duo forever anyway. So we always knew like if we decided to leave Netherlands, we would just do it again you know not not as not as shit kill or like anything we'd done but like we knew that we had to start something new so we started writing um we, we recorded on one netherlands record up at uh, uh, uh god city kerpaloo studio i wasn't there because of covid so i did my stuff remotely but damo got to go there and record which was amazing for him oh very yeah jealous. <laughs> very very jealous <laughs> i have never been there but we did that. We wrote, we sort of like did a live improv recording of another thing that I think it's still not released. Um, it's going to come out as some sort of EP down the line. But then we, I, I really started just like buckling down and writing songs. I kind of didn't for, for the couple years we were in Netherlands. And then once I started, I was kind of like, okay, I could, you know, submit these riffs and let Timo have his way with them. Or I can really like you know be the guy with the vision. And I, I kind of felt protective of my riffs which i hadn't felt in a long time so i kind of just knew like it was time for something else and it was time to just like you know we we had the skills technically speaking to produce something ourselves finally and we you know netherlands at the very least it helped us you know become more comfortable and based in brooklyn which we're we're still here in bushwick so and we have a the home studio now and everything is everything is very much in place for us to do this but um yeah trip villain was it was just kind of a no-brainer to do it the way we did it. And um, the name, for me, that was when it became a real thing, is when we found the name. I, my girlfriend at the time told me some story about uh, like a nightmarish vacation that she had been on, and there was some friend of hers that like ratted somebody out to the cops. It was some, somebody was like harshing the vibe, and she was like, oh, yeah, that girl is such a trip villain. <laughs> I, just, I was just like, that's the funniest shit I've ever heard, and I wrote it down. So it's like both somebody that ruins your vacation, but also if you take a bunch of acid and then you see like a, you know, somebody with an evil mustache that just ruins the vibe. Okay. You have to have a mustache. Ca- I'm picturing Captain Hook from the cartoon. Or just like somebody, <laughs> somebody was just a generally evil villainous aura. Like a mustache twirling you know I mean? kind of guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You don't want to see that shit when you're tripping. And the sound of Trip Villain is decidedly different from that of, of Shitkill and of, of Tragedy. What made you decide to kind of go in that different direction? Uh, well, definitely different than Tragedy. Um, I think fundamentally it's the same. Ah, no, I guess it's not. I don't know. The... Well, I, we, were, we were transitioning, I think, with the kill into a somewhat more like low-endy, 
I, I don't know how you would summarize it overall, but like doomy. we had kind of, yeah, that's doomy vibe. Like we were transitioning into that band. And like I said, you know, those songs exist and were written and are, I don't know. I feel like you can look back at them now and they definitely sound like a transition. I don't know. I, I, I feel like we started to change direction and that was even partially already influenced by Netherlands when we weren't in Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Like we were just fans, they were influencing us. And then obviously we were further influenced when we were in the band for two years. So I think that kind of solidified any curiosity that we had with switching sounds and gave, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, gave I, me more technical know-how, but also gave Josh, you know, more time on a different instrument and getting yeah. flexibility with a sort of different. Yeah, that was a big thing is is because I was playing synth bass. I was like playing a standing up, playing a guitar in Netherlands. Um, I had literally like I played piano when I was like four, but I never had. So I, I had to learn how to play the synth and I'm still not great. But like I, I got good enough that I sort of knew my way around, you know, the sounds and patches and shit. But I think more so, like, fundamentally to the the riffs and the grooves was, like, something I did learn from Timo, which is start with, start with the drums. Get a sick beat that, like, moves and grooves and just build everything on top of that. You know, start with one note at a time. Add notes if it helps. Don't if it doesn't. And just, like, really to, to build a song like a seven-layer cake, if you will even to build a riff like that and just like to, to I, I don't know I, with with the kill stuff it was like you know I wanted it to be like I don't know I, I think I feel like I was definitely way too focused on it being like marketable and poppy and like that's pretty embarrassing to think about right now but like I, I think the mistake what I learned from that is and then subsequently what we've done is that the mistake a lot of people make in metal is they want something to be accessible so they like you know, you, you have a heavy riff and then you just like throw in a chorus with a chord progression. Like chord progression is not going to put asses in the seats. Nobody gives a shit about that. It's like grooves. People want to groove. People want to dance. And, you know, nothing bums me out more than listening to like an awesome dancey metal riff. Like, uh, like I was thinking about Flying Whales the other day by Gojira. That's like... Metal riff, heavy, it's got, it hits all the things, and you can dance, not even really in four, but you could dance to it. And, like, what a bummer it would be for them to, like, get out of that riff and go into, like, a fucking melodic chorus. Like, gross. So, that was really my, that that's when it clicked for me. It's like, oh, like, you can just, you can just be really fucking minimalist about it, and it's it's way heavier if you just give them less but make them dance and you can like i don't know i'm rambling about my 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 groove my groove religion but i really think uh you gotta dance man no that's uh, yeah that's fair i get that you know i'm going uh to and i'm not don't think i'm doing any any podcast there or at least i haven't asked to but beginning of april jersey where i'm from not the town i'm from but, you know i'm generally in jersey <laughs> Uh, they're having the dark side of the con, which is like a three-day goth industrial music festival nice. in a hotel. And so uh, I, I foresee there being lots of dancing there based on my time going to <laughs> UXTs. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. The orgy's headlining the, the closing day, so that'll be oh, interesting. Oh, sick. Yeah. Jeez. 
And then there's an orgy after orgy. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody does have hotel rooms, so that's certainly a possibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so one of the, the, the question that I ask everybody that's ever been on the show here uh, and ever will be on the show is, how do you feel about the current state of the music industry? I know before we started recording, I had mentioned purchasing the Bloody Wood album, and then you guys were like, wow, you bought an album. Um, and that's just, a, you know, that is a thing that I do. But most people these days don't do that. They use Spotify or similar services and, and think that, well, bands make all their money at the shows anyway. So what do we got to buy the music for? And I was wondering, as as musicians and, and what have you, what how you feel about that? We both use Apple Music. I have Spotify also. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously been incredibly fucked up and like not uh, really a viable career path for 99% of people for a long time. So like kind of, we didn't even really catch the music. I mean, I, I feel like tragedy being able to make money was kind of my last, that, that, that was my, that was a little window into like what the last gasp of the music industry was like. And I think for tribute bands, it kind of still has, there's still some money left in that sense, but like for original music, yeah, it's obviously totally fucked up and backwards, but I try not to be salty about it because I don't know. I I I really am very allergic to people sort of poo-pooing the the current state of things. Oh man, like, you know, it was better back in the day. Like, oh dude, it's all fucked up. It's just, it feels very defeatist to me to have that attitude. So like, I don't know. I feel like we're being as strategic as we can through the channels we have. It's obviously hard to make money, but you know, we both have jobs. You know, we, we both work in, in sound. I do lights at uh, Brooklyn Bowl. And, uh, you know, whatever. Support ourselves, make it happen. But I uh, I think there is, not to, not to get too down on our favorite type of music, but I feel like there is a lot of emphasis still on nostalgia in the metal. Not so much the scene, but the business of it. There's, and I've, you know, I've heard people at the top complain about that. And then turn right around and pump more money into like getting old bands out on the road and putting out new bands records and throwing a bunch of money at them. And like, I, I, I kind of just don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of over metal on a, on a corporate level. And I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff around us right now, just in the, in the scene. And I mean, I can only really speak to our scene and Bushwick, but like, there's a lot of great heavy music that isn't necessarily metal that's bubbling up, you know, from the bottom that is influenced by electronic, that's influenced by punk, that's just kind of a mishmash of like heavy, dancey, just like sick riff music. And that gives me a lot of hope. And like, yeah, there's still not a lot of money in it, but I definitely have a pretty optimistic view of where things are headed. And I think that probably involves a lot of money powerful people in metal like either going away or taking the l and changing lanes a little bit i don't know how do you feel demo i i too feel like it's a double-edged sword like i'm glad i mean i don't know it would be difficult to remove music from the general public you know like it's it's a somewhat large art form so uh, to to a degree like the fact that people are still consuming music and still have this curiosity is good, you know, like streaming made it easier in some ways for people to just be listening to music. I have I have some thoughts 
about the way that like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people listening to their music library and like not actually solidifying what their taste is in music. I think there's some danger involved with like, you know, algorithms, like sh learning about new music and, and hearing new music is wonderful and like I understand there can't be a human on the other side of that curating everything and that would also be you know I don't know a small lane in terms of music discovery but at the same time I think I know of a lot of people who are listening to whatever streaming is like recommending and not saving anything not like not getting invested in these bands not even getting invested in their own sort of music taste which is just like freaky to me you know like it's not it's not in my control but a lot of people you know it's like oh what do you like about this i'll kind of like ask and try to get some sense and like the answer is almost always like oh i don't know it's just fun only the cloud knows what they really yeah, like. yeah. and it's like all right yeah. so but you know that type of person without like yeah like that the casually listening is like obviously not something that we do but like i feel like without spotify that type of person just wouldn't be listening to music at all or they'd be listening to like the shitty radio or some like i, I kind of get the feeling that they would be doing the same thing they would kind of just be hearing music mm -hmm. and not engaging with it in in a deeper sense whether that just be like you know active listening or going and supporting something you know it's kind of mm -hmm. like a background i think it's it's a background sound i think we yeah. all kind of need to have something going on in the background because mm -hmm. everyone has phones and everyone's addicted to like the constant rush of information so like if you're not playing music in the background you're probably not engaging whatever you know back part of your brain is working yep. so people are just like oh yeah you know there's background sound it's fun it's nice that's what i'm that's how i'm feeling mm -hmm. about it and that's about it <laughs> yeah All right. i think it's good but i think they need to pay people more yeah right right well that's the that that's Obviously. really the biggest concern uh you know and i'm not a musician myself but you know i uh, i like to say you know and it's something that i adopted from the uh it's like awareness organization called Industry Embers by music or it's by music, you know, and that can be translated in a way, you know, with the, with the current streaming. Like if the artists aren't getting paid enough to survive, then they're not going to be able to keep making the music that you love. It's strange. I mean, I, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm devoted to the music world and the music industry. So I'm not as, you know, I don't understand other industries as well, but I'm not sure that I'm familiar with any under any other industry like taking so much from, you know, an artist or like the creator mm -hmm. and really just not paying it back, you know? Yeah. Like it really is just kind of this vacuum of like people making money off of your yeah. Well, right, stuff. like even But even... also it's, it's okay. better than think about where we were, you know, 15 years ago where everybody would just torrent everything. And you couldn't even you didn't even have stats to look at from it. Like there was no it was so much more like lawless. I feel like at least, you know, the necessary evil of Spotify has completely killed pirating music. And at least it can be a useful tool for like a baby band like us that, you know, wants to see stats. We can we can use our Spotify stats and our Apple Music stats for you know, a analytics for like if we're running an ad about something like there are there are very useful things that come with it other than like, you know, 
fuck you, pay me. Like, yes, that goes without saying, but like, I, I, I do, I do think that pirating was king when we put shit kill out for the first time and having just dealing with this album release and having all the, all the analytics that Spotify gives us, it's so much better. I would, I would a hundred percent take this moment over 12 years ago or whatever. That's fair enough. What I was going to say in, in regards to, you know, what was said about, you know, and no other industry really sort of is this way. You know, you, you look at like when over the last year or two with the pandemic and they were moving all of these blockbuster movies to streaming services to get them seen, you know, and then you have people like Scarlett Johansson right. suing mm-hmm. the studio like, hey, that's not that's not the deal we signed. That's not fuck you pay me yeah. essentially like <laughs> she is she is still receiving millions of dollars just not as many millions of dollars right. as she thought but which, you know i i know, do but, get it, it, it but the thing with that is that they want that you know they settled they sorted it out like i don't understand why this doesn't happen with music well there yeah. can only be one lars ulrich they That's do also bad. you know it, it's it's strange i mean maybe it's not as unspoken as i think it is but you know the bigger bands that are playing on spotify and or streaming overall are like you know they're making money from streams but they're also making money based on you know like deals ahead of time mm-hmm. it, it's not just like oh yeah metallica put out a new album they got a lot of money from the streams like you know i'm sure they did compared to anybody else but at the same time like there's more of a machine going on there and that can kind of Maybe we need a uh, like a wealth cap for streaming royalties. <laughs> Once you've made over like the the 1% must give back a certain percent to everybody else. Right, right. So that we can keep the industry going. If you have a deal Daniel with Eck, get with my streaming DMs. services, but that's you have to put it back inside. Right. Okay. No, but I understand. It us. <laughs> Seize the piece of production. <laughs> From Billy Eilish. <laughs> so, it would be remiss, uh, Josh, if I didn't bring up that in addition to being a musician, uh, you also worked at Sirius XM for a bit as uh, Jose Mangan's intern. And I know that you still get yes, mentioned on Into the Trivia Pit from time to time. And I just have to ask, <laughs> as a fan, so? of, as a fan of that channel, as a fan of 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 uh, those people, like, what was that like? Uh, incredible. It was like the most fun year of my entire life. I, I mean. I was drunk pretty much the entire time. Thank God I didn't smoke weed back then because, I, it, it, good Lord, being around that man. I love him <laughs> to pieces, but, uh, yeah, he's high 100% of the time. Um, it was great. I got to meet so many of my heroes. Got to just, like, be, you know, in the within the gears of that part of the music industry, which is, like, it's, it's a pretty – it's pretty insulated, actually, from, like – kind of uh, outside influence, which I think a lot of people don't realize. They think that, like, Jose is taking a kickback from playing certain bands or, like, you know, if, if it's his boys, he'll do... Like, that, that's really not it. Like, I, I I sat with him pretty much every day in his office. We both were, like, working on, you know, whatever, spreadsheets. And he would just have a stack of CDs that he would people would just mail him. And we would listen to them. Just pop one in. He'd ask me my opinion. I, you know, a few times he let me put something on that I that I dug that he didn't really dig but like for the most part it's literally just like does he dig it does he not and that's that's completely or like does Sean the butcher dig it those guys are like so incredibly hardworking, and it was great they just they fucking they treated me like family I I, I wish I could have been there longer it was the, the most fun job I've ever had 
Yeah, man. You know, when I went to college, I went to college for radio. And part of the reason I do this is because I didn't get there. And so I figured that at least I have this, at least I can still do what I want to do. Is it a job? No, it's, it's a hobby. It's something I do for fun to help get the word out there about bands that people might not have heard of, or if they give a shit about the backstory, you know, I, I bring that, but mm-hmm. that's what I wanted yeah. to do. You know, I went to college for radio. I wanted to work at Sirius and remember before Jose moved away, I ran into him at Wellmont Theater in Jersey. Hell uh-huh. yeah, and Godsmack were playing together. And he's like, dude, we got to get together before I'm gone. I was like, all right, cool. We should definitely do that. So he invited me into the studio. And so I got to see all of that before oh, nice. he was gone. The studio in, uh, in Midtown? Yeah, yeah. He had me come down. I kind of just spent the day because we had set like a specific time. So just kind of spent the day in the city playing tourist and and then went into to the Sirius XM studios. He showed me his office. And and this was before I had the podcast. And I was just, as I said, I did. Uh, I had a Facebook group where I just wrote about bands. And he's like, do you want to go on the air and talk about what you do? I was like, do I want to what? <laughs> and he had me on. We, we went on in a break. I talked about what I was doing on Facebook and and, you know, how how he and I met and we just kind of bullshitted for, for like five minutes on air. And then he had Sean mail me a clip of it. And that was, you know, and so I, I just like, I was only there for a little while. You were there for a long, like, and, and like, that's all that I have ever wanted to, to do is to, is to have that job. Mm-hmm. So one of these, yeah, days. it's, it, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I love that. Yeah. He would always like, God, I mean, I I was on so many times. It it stopped being like it stopped. I stopped getting nervous. Like I, at first, I was just like, oh my god, we're on the air, and I would like choke and like say something really stupid. But like, yeah, he's just always recording, and that's like, and that's what we do in the studio. That's that's our that's the, that's the old tenacious D ethos. Always be recording. Jose is always on air. He obviously worships Howard Stern. So like, yeah, just just like I love that he's always just. Yeah, come to the office, hang out. We'll put you on air, whatever. We're having a conversation, hanging out. Like he, he, you know, he is this big, towering figure in the music industry that everybody wants a piece of. But like, he's just like a, a fucking dude, and he's cool, and I love him. Yeah, seriously, he's man. very down to earth. That was that was the other thing when they had the uh, they had the Revolver Awards, like the last time that they had it. I think it was 2016 or 2017, and uh, he had already moved away by that point. But he came back, and him <clears> and Dave Mustaine were co-hosting the show and he saw me right. in the crowd and like just shouted me i was like hey how you doing i was like really <laughs> nice so i guess the only other thing i've got uh, left to ask you guys is uh, what's next for you and your band you just released uh, an album a couple weeks ago um what's next yes we did one w-o-n our debut album is trip villain um we are gonna play a bunch of shows in New York, uh, TBD, what those are going to be. We're working on like a whole bunch of shit right now, but you got to, you know, keep up with us on our, on our Instagrams and our Facebook and all the Twitter and all that shit and TikTok. We are on TikTok and we're writing the next record right now. We have eight demos. We're maybe going to do some drum recording a little later today. We have a home studio now, so we're just going to be cranking out riffs like crazy. That's pretty much the plan. World domination and, uh, unlimited brutal dance riffs <laughs> stupid enough 
Oh, that's you, cool. You have anything to, you have anything to add? Yeah, that that, that, that like sounds that. like a, that's like a great like uh, genre name. You know how like I always like it when a band yeah. invents their own genre. You had you had Static X yeah. with Evil Disco. Uh, Dude, was... oh my god, we are both, by the way, completely fucking obsessed with Static X. That the album Cannibal was like one of the first things that that got us into metal. Honestly, it was 2007. Yeah, it was like one of the first metal bands we saw together. Like Evil Disco is. Like we're doing our spin on it, but like I'm, I speak for myself at least. I'm like supremely influenced by Evil Disco. What's great is I actually Peace Wayne. Yeah, I've been listening to. I, I just got the anniversary re-release of Machine, and I I haven't probably listened to this record in in you know in full in a in at least twenty years. No, well it came out twenty years ago, so in at least fifteen years. So I, I listened to it all the way through when I got it, and uh, God, that's such a good record. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, incredible. And then another another band just to just to throw another quick shout. Another band that I I really love that sort of invented their own genre. And I mentioned it to actually to Jose when he had me on the air that time. Is there's this band that I had met and eventually started doing merch for. I had met them at the New York Renaissance Fair, and they are an acoustic pirate metal band called the Dread Crew of Oddwood. And so because they're acoustic, they call their genre heavy mahogany. Wow. Well, hang on a minute. I've got a few solid body guitars that are made of mahogany. That so, is really funny. But what yeah, are they no, called? The, the Dread Crew of Oddwood. Wow. They actually Wood, played a lot of wood uh, references. Yeah, yeah they played wood. they played in New York City. I think the last time they were in this area, they played in New York City. They were there was a tour of all pirate metal bands. It was oh uh, Alestorm headlining, uh Swashbuckle as main support. And then Dread Crew of Oddwood as the openers, and so I did. Uh, they, they did they play on the on the barge on the Hudson River? No, nah, they just played at the Gramercy. <laughs> oh, uh, should have yeah. done a rocks off cruise. That would have been perfect. Well, there's always there's always time. I, uh, I know Dread Crew, and uh, I think all three of those bands are actually working on new new albums. So I'm sure that they'll come through at some point. Are. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that's what, that's what they say, right? Yeah. Only the captain. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no worries. No worries, man. But I think that that's a, that's a great place to, to leave it. I, I want to thank you guys both for, for your time, for being on the show. And hopefully, if you don't play in Jersey, I can come out to, to the city at some point and, and see you guys. And I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks for um, Drowning Pool and El Nino. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us, Thanks man. For having us on. It's fun. I'm All sure right. we'll play in New Jersey. We, we will we, definitely we play in New Jersey. I can promise you. Yeah. We will. I, say, I know you guys used to play dingbats a lot as shit kill. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not dingbats, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> oh. we'll play somewhere. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. I don't know. Just being a dick Sorry. on the air. Um, but we will. We will come to Jersey. I promise. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks again, guys.
one from the album One that was Trip Villain with the song Another Round. I want to thank Josh and Damien for being on the show. You can follow Trip Villain on social media on Facebook at TripVillainBK and on Instagram and Twitter at TripVillain. I know the guys also mentioned they are on TikTok. I am not... I don't use TikTok, so I don't know. I, I can't even... I'm sure if you search them on there, you'll find them, but I, I couldn't be more specific. I, I feel like I'm a little old for the TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. Just search J Bunny's Music Hub. And don't forget, although I did mention it earlier in the show, we don't want to forget uh, that if you support music in the way that I do by buying it, to follow Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter at Industry Embers and either post or tweet your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. Uh, as for what is next for the show, I do have I have a bunch of maybe things coming up in the next week or so. I have I have two possible interviews. Um, I'm not kind of going to find out if those are happening until the day of the individual concerts. I do have one absolutely definitely confirmed interview. Um, but as always, I'm not going to tell you who it is because anything can change at a moment's notice. Um, I will, as always, post to the social media channels once the interview is recorded. Um, but there is definitely stuff on the horizon, as I mentioned, to Damien and Josh in the interview. I am going to be going in a couple of weeks to the dark side of the con. Uh, don't currently have any plans to do any interviews there, but that can always change. I'm definitely going to have my stuff with me just in case. And uh, previous guests on the podcast, Orgy, are going to be headlining the Sunday, so that's going to be fantastic. If you're into you know, that type of music, you should come check that out. What else? What else? I think that that is about it for the time being. Uh, I'm still trying to squeeze these podcasts in as I can between all that life has to throw at me. But, um, you know, for now, I think that that is all I've got for you. I'm going to leave you guys today with another song by Trip Villain from their new album, One, which is spelled W-O-N. This is Hum. Until next time, guys.